Hi, I'm Nick Warren, and welcome again to the iLearn podcast from First Quantum. Nick O'Connor is one of America's leading business consultants. Having worked with some of the world's most successful companies, in recent years, he has turned his attention to social impact work, partnering with foundations and not-for-profit organisations. In today's podcast, Nico reflects on the subject of setting goals, and also, and I guess as importantly, how we can achieve them. Hello, First Quantum Leaders. This is Nico Kanner, founder of Incandescent. Think of one big problem you haven't solved. You have a goal that matters, a next level of performance you know you can break through to, an idea that needs expression. The problem is you're stuck. The opportunity looms in front of you, near enough to see, yet out of reach. Take a deep breath, concentrate, and crystallize your goal. The real goal, the big one. Don't be limited by what you know how to do today. Take this first step, pause, and focus, and commit. There is something powerful about entering into a commitment. The problem is that even when we make the space to set a goal far beyond our reach, often we don't stretch to meet that goal. So many of us are achievers. We're driven, practical, intensely busy. But these positive qualities trap us on the path we're on, hold us at the level we've learned how to reach. As achievers, we build our lives as machines geared to produce just the set of results we're producing now. The default path is to keep this machine in its usual furious motion. We should be grateful for all the machine provides. But this goal that you're committed to beckons upward. The default path won't take you there. Please let the machine go still for a moment. I'd like to share a story that points the way to a very different path, an extraordinary path, the path by which this commitment you've made can be fulfilled. The friend in my story is a man of unusual focus and discipline, but he would be the first to point out that these are qualities he learned, not qualities he was given. And he would point out that even as he has lost the most basic abilities we take for granted, he cannot see and he cannot walk. Those losses simply make him what we each are when we take on work larger than ourselves. None of us possesses, at first, the powers that we need. Each of us must make our road. I'd like to introduce you to Mark Pollock. When you paused, focused, and committed, you already took a first step with him. Mark was born in Northern Ireland. He was blinded in his right eye at the age of five, and he couldn't play team sports for fear that his other eye might be damaged. Nevertheless, he saw himself as an athlete, rode competitively, and captained the rowing team at Trinity College Dublin. Then, at 22, he suffered a detached retina in his left eye. He went blind. Plunged for a while into crisis, Mark reaffirmed his identity as an athlete. He returned to rowing and won medals for Northern Ireland in the Commonwealth Games. 
He ran an ultramarathon in the Gobi Desert, six marathons in seven days, running next to a sighted partner. On the 10th anniversary of his blindness, he competed as part of a team racing to the South Pole. His team of three journeyed for 43 days, each pulling 200-pound sleds. They completed the race. They reached the pole. The next year, tragedy struck. Mark fell out of a friend's third-story window. He fractured his skull. His spine was broken in two places. He was paralyzed. There in his hospital bed, a marathoner and explorer rendered unable to move his legs, Mark decided on his life's work. He would find a way to make it possible for people like him who suffered from spinal paralysis to move. He and his partner Simone beside him in the hospital initially had no hypotheses about how this could be achieved. They had at first no relevant connections. They had no financial resources to speak of. Mark was as powerless in relation to this goal as one could imagine being, but he was resolved that this would be his work. As Mark's paralyzed body began to heal from its traumas, he and Simone came to a second step. They searched for partial ingredients, partial clues. It is almost never true that a difficult, important problem is solved by a single insight, unlocked by a single meeting, resolved in one big advance. The second step in the extraordinary path is to make space to explore, looking not for answers, but for people, insights, smaller problems to solve that can be ingredients of solving the big problem that looms still out of reach. Mark began training with a robotic exoskeleton. It could move his paralyzed limbs. His hope was that this repeated motion would build strength, would build capacity. It did not. Mark and Simone searched relentlessly and found Dr. Reggie Edgerton at the University of California at Los Angeles, who had a different strategy, stimulation of the spine using electric currents. As these pieces began to come together, even in a deeply uncertain way, Mark found himself at the third step of the extraordinary path. The big goal of curing spinal paralysis, restoring meaningful movement beyond the 12-week period that so often marked the limits of the body's restoration, was still too far away to steer by. Mark needed to hold that goal as the motivating force behind his journey, while finding a nearer marker that would give his daily work focus and direction. At this third step in the extraordinary path, what's needed is to define what will represent advancement to the next level of the game, in advance big enough that it unlocks far greater possibilities for action, while close enough in to be useful in tactical navigation. For Mark, that next level of the game crystallized in tangible form. 
he would combine the therapies of electrical stimulation and exercise with the robotic exoskeleton, using the electric current to restore sensation and stimulate some limited functioning while the exoskeleton moved his limbs. He would use his own formidable capacity to train, which had fueled his ultramarathons and his expedition to the South Pole, to push this process forward, teaching his own legs to do more and more work as the exoskeleton could do less and less. He would reach the next level of the game when he could move his legs unaided, touching his knees to his chest. Mark knew that this achievement, however small, could be the foundation on which all further progress might build. Three and a half years after his fall, after months of training at UCLA combining the two therapies, he lay on a table, the stimulator was turned on, and without assistance, he flexed his leg and pulled his knee to his chest. In order to reach this milestone, Mark needed to take a fourth step on the extraordinary path. He had to recognize that his work wasn't simply the outer work of finding elements of a therapy and putting in the time in his never-before-seen-in-history robotic gym. The hardest element of his work would be the inner work of building a life in answer to the questions that his journey had framed. Picture Mark at this stage. He'd found the exoskeleton in experimental technology. He'd talked his way into becoming the first individual to be given ownership of this machine and then drove himself harder than he'd ever worked at anything. He took more than a million steps with the exoskeleton, fighting off discouragement as his body refused to progress toward mobility. He kept an open mind, searching for missing elements, and found Edgerton's lab, which gave him further hope, but no assurance. He and Simone left their home behind, moved to UCLA, and gave everything they had toward that simple, concrete, and yet still so small achievement of the lifted knee, the needle through which he would thread the continuing progress of his life's work. In Mark and Simone's heartbreakingly beautiful TED Talk, A Love Letter to Realism in a Time of Grief, Mark reflects on this inner work. Realists have managed, he says, to resolve the tension between acceptance and hope by running them in parallel. The extraordinary path embraces the brutal realities of the gap between what we know how to do and what the work requires, even as it is pulled onwards by the conviction that there is a way to be found, a future to grow into. With each victory, there must also be a letting go. This is the fifth step, letting go of the machine we built to get us here in order to grow into the next larger chapter of our journey. Mark continues his work as an athlete and a patient 
extending the limits of what his will can do, aided by all the tools medicine can summon to restore his power of movement. His body is the demonstration he offers to the world. But Mark recognizes that in this new chapter, the greatest part of his work is something further. Being a messenger, a connector, a force for marshalling resources and attention to where they can best advance the quest for a cure. As he propels himself onwards on his climb, he recognizes that he needs to be a new climber, thinking in different ways, spending his time on new pursuits, unlearning the single-mindedness of his focus that brought him to the summit of the prior peak. Let's leave Mark there on his extraordinary journey. Open your eyes. Stand unaided. Take a moment to appreciate the gifts you've taken for granted. We are all like children just beginning to learn to read, piecing together sounds in a vast sea of words. We can each achieve this mastery. Our road is both as simple and as difficult as Mark's. Remember the goal that you raised to your sight as this talk opened. Take the first step again. Pause and focus and commit. Then open yourself to the second step, the work of finding and assembling pieces. This work of exploration and connection will become your second job, and to make space for that will require that you find some way to release some of the tight, bunched energy that is currently consumed with pushing through your daily work, running your machine. Give yourself room, and when you are ready, take the third step, crystallizing an understanding of just what advance will take you to the next level of the game, and using this milestone in a longer journey as a daily compass, as Mark pushed himself through a regimen of training to achieve the milestone of raising his knee. As you stretch toward this goal that will only slowly come into reach, take the fourth step and recognize that this slowness has its function. It gives you the time to become a more perfect instrument of your purpose, to learn the ways of acting, thinking, and feeling that will fuel your journey. The fifth step, when you arrive there, will be like opening into a larger world. It will be like when Mark finally felt his legs under him, sensing his own power, even in small part, to move his body and to move the world. It is a gift to share this story particularly with you, because First Quantum as a company has been built in this same spirit. This is a company shaped by the idea that no problem that would be valuable to solve is in fact unsolvable. This is a company 
that has gone where others saw impassable terrain and brought out of the earth vital material. First quantum has flourished because the path to these hard goals has built strengths and insights no easier path would yield. That's it for this week. Everybody involved in the Island podcast series has given their time for free. Thanks for listening and see you next time.